Hello, and welcome to The Writing Forge, where we discuss tips and tricks for honing your writing. I'm Bonnie. I'm Miranda. And we're your hosts. Let's Let's get get into it. it. Hello, listeners, and welcome back. We're happy to introduce you guys today to Tracy Hume, our guest. Welcome, Tracy. Thank you. We're going to talk today about ways to reinvent yourself and get established as a writer. But first, Tracy, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Let us know how you got to where you are in the writing world. Sure. I've been a freelance writer for 20 years. Nonfiction, I don't have a fiction bone in my body. (laughs) So (laughs) I've done grant writing, copywriting, website writing, white papers. And since 2016, I've been doing ghost writing of nonfiction books and also book coaching. So I've covered a wide span of writing types in my career. Um, That's really cool. How did you start writing initially? My last full-time job I had, I was in a grant writing position Mm. at a community college and I got laid off. Oh, And so I took Mm -hmm. the skills that I had learned on the job of grant writing, Mm -hmm. accelerating with as much continuing education as I could and started out my freelance career 100% as a grant writer. Nice. And so I think that leads us nicely into our topic for today, which we're going to be talking about reinventing yourself, Mm -hmm. um, which you have clearly done a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And so how does one go about that? Obviously, we talked about continuing education. And so is that the way that you would recommend is mainly just like learning and getting out there or are... How, how does one go about the process of reinventing themselves? For me, the key has been following my curiosity. Mm. So whatever I'm curious about, whether that's a different type of writing or whether that's a subject matter, that has always led me on to the next step. Mm. Like when I was doing grant writing, I was doing other types of higher education writing as well. And I kept coming across, I was doing market studies, like what kind of programs should colleges open up that were up and coming, mm-hmm. you know, new degrees and stuff like that. And I kept coming across health information technology. It kept popping up and popping up. And I was like, what is health information technology? Uh, It's basically the intersection of healthcare and technology, like when they moved to digital digital records in hospitals and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I was curious about it. So I found an online program, took a one-year certificate in the subject matter, and then I put myself out there. I like to tell this story. I was like, who's going to take a chance on me? I've never written about healthcare (laughs) information technology. I have this little certificate. I googled editors, health information technology, Mm. and I found the blog post of an editor who said, I've just spent another night completely rewriting a freelancer's (laughs) copy. So I emailed her right away and said, hey, I'm new at this, but you'll never have to rewrite my copy. I will always submit on deadline. And that's how I launched into that new direction from grant writing. I was thinking, like, we're talking a lot in the in the context of, like, if you're trying to make money as a writer. Um, and it, it feels like it's important to have that, yeah, following your curiosity and, and being willing to 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 try new things um, and to have lots of different areas of expertise so that if something happens and, and say, you know, one area where you one client or something you have where you've been making money dries up, you've been reading something else, you can reach out to someone and and try something new. And, and I think that's a great that's that's a great way to make sure you keep making money if you're trying to make money. 
So one of the one of the things that we were thinking about is like this idea of saying yes to new ways of writing and new technologies, which I thought was particularly interesting because that you know we live in a world of technology changing so fast and um, and how how have how have you guys seen ways where adopting new technology or new styles of writing has has helped you build your writing career? In new technologies, I can give the example of Are you familiar with Contently? Contently is a oh how do I describe it? Is a platform. Um, that uh, it solicits clients mm-hmm. and it solicits freelancers and it puts them together. Okay. Oh, um, okay. N- not quite a fiver, but that kind, kind of, of, but like a little higher quality. Than yeah, that. yeah, pays a little better and stuff like that. So you're you're pitching the the client is telling contently what they want and you're pitching your ideas like give me five ideas on a healthcare blog or something mm-hmm. like that something a and, little closer to like submittable mm. um i'm not familiar with submittable okay but i think submittable is probably the fiction, fiction, fiction equivalent yeah. yeah this is the nonfiction mm. client copywriting work and they had their i i I did a handful of jobs for them, and they have, you know, it's their proprietary platform. Mm. You have to learn how to write within their editor, how to follow, probably like Submittable, how to follow how how your piece of writing is going along, what stage it is in the editing process. Mm-hmm. It's always new, something new. Yeah. And you have to be open to that because it changes, like something pops up. And then it disappears, <laughs> and then something new comes up. Right now, I'm excited about Substack. I know uh, I'm yeah, a little... A lot of people mm-hmm. are, yeah. Yeah, I'm a little late to the game. It's been <laughs> around since 2017, but still, that's fairly new mm-hmm. in the area of putting your write, writing out there to the public. So, yeah, new technologies, I think you just have to keep your eyes open and see yeah. what's emerging. Well, and we've had a couple of episodes on AI already, but that's, you know, there are lots of different ways that you can use that to, to help you and... Um, and yeah, like you said, just keeping your eyes open and being, you know, trying to be aware, trying to be on the edge, that 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 will give you an edge over over other people who are perhaps in the same market as you if you can be flexible. Um, if we're talking specifically in writing for a client, yeah, like you said, if you have if you find a client who has some kind of special software or or method that they want you to use and you're okay with that, which we'll get to in a little bit, but um, that being able to to be flexible and to try new things can be really key for for writing. In nonfiction, I do a lot of interviewing clients. So I've used Teams, Zoom, Mm -hmm. proprietary, Mm -hmm. Slack. I just have to be willing to go wherever the client lives and does their work and and learn it quickly and make it useful. Yeah. Well, and I think that that can apply to fiction as well. Like um, you're not going to maybe be working for a client, but you have to write, you know, in way if you're if you're pitching to agents or to publishers that you might need to find like using Submittable or other things or even just there's always the talk about like what writing processor should I use? Should I use Word? Should I use Scrivener? Should I um, try something else? There's probably other ones that I can't think of right now. And so many. Yeah. And and the nice thing, too, about trying out new things is you might find something that works better for you. I'm really big on that. Just generally, like, try new methods of writing. Try, you know, try try planning. Try not planning. Try, you know, this kind of story structure. Try this kind of story tr- structure. Try writing your conclusion first. You know, that you can try different things, and you might find that one of them actually makes you a better writer. If you don't mind me yeah, jumping yeah. on that, that leads to one of the other points I had about trying things and not being afraid to discard. Mm. And mm-hmm. that includes not only methodologies or types of writing, but clients. Yes. Because when you like I did like maybe six stories for Contently and mm-hmm. I figured out it just wasn't my thing. It mm-hmm. wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. So 
When you discard things that don't work for you, you open up space for the things that do work for you to fill that space. If you cling too tightly to things that aren't really meaningful and rewarding to you, you don't allow that space for the good stuff to come in. Yeah. And and it can just, I, I know this from, from my side of, of editing for things. I've had clients or who come to me and are like, I want, I want to do this way. Like early in my editing career, I would, I had some clients who said, I want to send you, you know, like a chapter every couple of weeks and you edit that chapter. And I did that, but it just didn't work very well for me. Like I needed to be able to have the whole picture before I could, could give them advice on the whole thing. And so I, I have gotten to the point now where I, if I if someone says they want to do that, I'll be like, sorry, I don't think I'm the right one for you. Doesn't necessarily mean that some other editor won't do it right. Like for some people, that method works really well. It just doesn't work for me. And I've figured that out and I've saved myself eventually a lot of frustration and stress over trying to work to someone else's method that just doesn't work for me. So absolutely. And it is OK to say no. It's it's hard. That's sometimes a hard, hard lesson for me, but it is OK to say no. It's hard if you're making a living at it because yeah. you always think if I say no, I'm not going to be able to pay my mortgage yeah, exactly. next month. Yeah, yeah. So it, it helps when you have enough experience mm-hmm. and enough inbound coming in yeah. that you can look into the future with confidence and say, okay, yeah, I'm going to bite the bullet. This client has red flags all over the place. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say no, and a better client's going to come along. Yeah, yeah, that, that is definitely a fair point. Like early on in your career, you might just have to ignore some red flags uh, because you're trying to eat food. Um, so... How can you keep your eyes open for new opportunities? What, because you mentioned that being important to, to keep aware. So how, how do you actually do that? In the old days, <laughs> 20 years ago, it was in-person stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, every conference I could find appealed to me. Can I plug the wonderful writing? Hi- yes, you can. Writing, writing Heights Writers Association conferences, which are fabulous and are more accessible than ever because mm-hmm. they've gone to the hybrid format. Mm-hmm. That's a good example where you can get a lot of exposure to a lot of different things. Early, about uh, 2010, I joined a, a place called Freelance Writers Den. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, Carol Tice is um, a person whose mission was to help freelance writers make a living. And she created this wonderful space that uh, for a monthly fee had boot camps in it. Mm. That's, you know, white papers, up- updating your LinkedIn uh, web page, writing your writer's web page, how to write white papers, like just an endless resource full of um, different ways of writing that you could expose yourself to. So I, for 10 years, I belonged to that because it was like a continuing education addict's dream <laughs> buffet. Like go in there and learn anything. More recently, I'm uh, taking a lot of uh, webinars from Jane Friedman, mm. janefriedman.com. She focuses more on nuts and bolts of publishing, like book publishing, hybrid publishing, book proposals, things like that. So she's more focused on that than craft. But And she brings guests in all the time. The webinars are $25, totally accessible. You get transcripts, recordings, and it's a nice way to get a bite-sized introduction because she is at the front edge of the publishing world. It's a nice way to get a bite-sized introduction to a bunch of different topics. And I know, Miranda, you've talked about um, just there's so much information on YouTube, right? Like, There's quite a bit. Yeah. Have you, have you found, the, you know, like... How do you trawl through YouTube to find what's actually good versus? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it is like a good proponent of that is time. Mm. Um, just trying out a whole bunch of different channels, seeing what they're talking about, seeing if the information is relevant to you or if it's 
done in such a way that makes sense to you. Because I've seen people who have a ton of great information, but the way they explain it is definitely not for my personal thought process mm. and vice versa. Where as there's people who like they speak and everything makes sense, at least to me. <laughs> And so obviously, like, it's kind of like Google a little bit, like you put in your general search terms and just see what pops up. And I think more will pop up than uh, what you realize. So well, and that goes back to what we were talking about, about, you know, being willing to try new things and being willing to say, no, this one isn't working for me. Well, and I would definitely like I loved paid. I love present tense <laughs> <laughs> um, paid seminars and webinars and stuff like that. And if it is someone that, you know, and trust, uh then definitely sign up for either their Patreon or mm. their pay classes or stuff like that. But one thing that I have found is that if you are wanting to try something new, see if there is a free version first yeah, like a to give you or... an overview. Mm -hmm. um, so that way you have a chance to dip your toes in the water. You have a chance to see if this medium, this style, this is right for you. Because um, I have found that I have spent hundreds of dollars <laughs> on seminars that I then didn't subsequently use because mm -hmm. the only thing I took away from it was, unfortunately, this isn't for me, mm -hmm. um, which it happens. Yeah. It's part of professional development. Right. But if you can avoid it, definitely try. Uh, and it's not all doom and gloom. Sometimes you can, you know, take a wild shot on something and you're like, oh, my God, that was so mind blowing. <laughs> and I think the other caveat is everybody's trying to make a buck, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like. You have to watch out for the people that are trying to upsell you. What I love about Jane Friedman, she just says, this is what you're going to get. You know, this is what you're going to get. And there's a lot of people out there who take advantage of writers and say, I'm going to tell you how to ghostwrite in 45 yeah. minutes. How to become a bestseller. And, yeah. Yes. And then at the end is, well, this is just a taste of it. You know, for 500 more dollars, <laughs> sign up for my week-long book count. Or for 1,000 more dollars, sign up for my year program. So I really look for people that are spelling out upfront what you're getting for your time and money investment mm -hmm. and aren't always trying to upsell you deeper and deeper. I, I was just thinking another thing that can help you find those the more useful resources is some of the professional organizations and stuff. You mentioned the, well, I don't know if that's an organization, but the Freelancer's Den. And um, and I know in the editing world, there's, there's uh, the Editorial Freelancers Association. There's the American Copy Editors Association, both of which have like webinars that you can go into and... And things like that 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 are that are vetted, right? Mm -hmm. So that that is a benefit. There are certainly great things out there that aren't through you know associations like that. But if you're just starting out and trying to figure out where to go to find reliable information, that uh, organizations like that is a good place to start. Doesn't Writing Heights Writing Association website have a page of vetted resources? Yeah, or, or at least suggested ones. Yeah, we do. We have a page on the website that has some. Here are some places you can go uh, to find some information. Yeah, good point. Thank you. Um, some other places to look to are like I know Publishers Weekly has a free newsletter mm. um, and some of the big publishing houses, too, have newsletters. They update their websites. They also have blogs and stuff like that. And so if you're looking for opportunities or emerging technologies and things of that nature, um, social media is unfortunately <laughs> a necessary evil. But usually you'll probably see it on social media first and then it'll probably jump to a newsletter and then it'll probably become mainstream because I know I heard of Kindle Vela. Mm. I think I can't remember if it was through Instagram or if it was through I don't remember where I first heard it, but it was definitely a social media avenue. And everyone was like, what's this? Um, what is Kindle doing? This is new. This is mm -hmm. weird. Um, and so I heard it there first and then I started hearing about it professionally in like writers conferences and mm -hmm. stuff like that afterwards. 
Um, but I guess that is a question. Where are good places? Where are other good places to look for for opportunities and emergency emerging technologies? Um, I, you know, I, I'm going to sound like I'm a flack for JaneFriedman.com, <laughs> but but what I love about her stuff is it's bite sized. Mm-hmm. Like like you said, you don't want to spend four hundred dollars investigating something and then find out it's not for you. Right. So right now her stuff is like it's one hours or ninety minutes. It's twenty five dollars. Yeah. So it's a, it's. It's an affordable way to explore um, uh, short term and to be exposed to things. Now, her stuff focuses on the publishing world. There's other. um, Allison K. Williams, familiar with Allison K. Williams. She is one that kind of has the same kind of um, short-term, one, one-off, not a big investment webinars, but she focused more on craft, a lot more on craft. She started a series called Craft Talks, so it might focus on dialogue or story or editing or something like that. And again, it's bite-sized pieces, and they often bring in outside experts mm. so that you can follow up, follow that rabbit trail out to that person who's an expert after you get this little bite-sized sense of whether that person speaks to you or whether that idea speaks to you. I like that, too, because I was just thinking it's a good thing to get multiple perspectives on something, too. Like, um, this is maybe a metaphorical example, but just like when I edit something, I never, I don't, I don't want my clients to think like I'm the end all be all. You need to listen to exactly what I say. Like it's really good to get multiple pieces of feedback, you know, uh, get you want to have a, a critique group with lots of other writers in it. Sometimes you just work with one critique partner. But anyway, the the more, you know, if you can get a lot of people confirming something, then, then it's more likely to be real or helpful versus mm-hmm. if you just hear one person saying it. That might be a little bit it less could be likely. Helpful. Yeah, it could be sketchy. Yeah, exactly. Harder to say. Um, we are running short on time, so I, I was just thinking maybe we can close off with we're talking about you know places to find education um, and do technologies and things. But what are some some tips and tricks for getting the most out of your learning opportunities? So you found a webinar that you like or whatever. What do you do to make sure you're you're getting the most out of it? I am a pathologically thorough person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. So so I will watch the webinar live and then I will go back and, and if a transcript is available, I will go back and read the transcript through and highlight just because, I mean, that's the way I intake information. If a transcript's not available, sometimes I'll send the, uh, the link over to um, uh, rev.com where I get a lot of transcripts made. Mm. They have auto transcript. I know there's software that can do it too. And I'll actually make myself a transcript so I can go through and do that step of listening to it. Well, that's a really good point. Like knowing your own learning style, I'm the same way. I need to read something really to to understand it. And I, I get frustrated. Like there's, there's, you know, like, for, for the Writing Heights website, there there's a support page, and almost all of it is webinars. And I'm like, I just want to read how to solve my problem. I don't want to watch a video. Um, so yeah, so knowing that about myself, I like. I think that's great. If I was going to go to a webinar, maybe I'll see if there's a transcript or make a transcript and and be able to internalize it a lot better. That's that's a great tip. Well, and I feel like with any class that you take, putting things into practice soon after in mm. any way that you can. Not waiting. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know there's definitely, like, I have attended conferences, taken awesome notes, and been like, that's an awesome idea. And then gone to the bar afterwards, gone to bed. <laughs> and then by the next day, uh, it is, you know, it's sad and stuck in my notes and I've never done anything with it. Like, Maybe it's stayed up there and become like, you know, probiotics for creativity <laughs> and has still and has still fed like the creative process. 
But I definitely know if I don't try to like implement it in some small way, I am much less likely to call on that tool in the future. That's a good point. Yeah. I did that with Substack this week because yeah. I'm trying to learn Substack. So I took this webinar, this one hour webinar on how to set up your account. I made myself a transcript. I have a I have a 17 inch monitor. Nice. So I had the webinar up here. I had the transcript up here. And in the middle, I had my Substack account. So I'd play five minutes of the webinar where he's telling you do this, look at the transcript. Then I do that to the account. Like mm -hmm. it took me like six hours, but, <laughs> but, but it got I done. implemented yeah. it right away instead of letting it, you know, fall out and not ever be put into effect. Yeah. yeah. I need to do that more. <laughs> I It's still something I struggle with, but at least something I'm aware of. Yeah. So. Well, that's great. Any other any other tips? Actually learn. Like when you, like I know that sounds crazy, but it's a learning opportunity. Mm. And so this is your chance to fail. It sounds awful, but like you're never going to be perfect at something out the gate. And so while you're still in the learning stage, like take that opportunity to go a little crazy mm. and see what you can push, see where you can go and maybe, you know, trip and fall a couple of times while it's still in a safe space before you try to go out and do it professionally and then trip. <laughs> so like when I say actually learn, I mean, like use it as an opportunity to go through the whole process and 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 make your mistakes there yeah well and then don't give up I mean, yeah. that's just general good life advice right but like if you make a mistake whether it's you know in the learning phase or after people mm -hmm. make mistakes you can you know don't don't just give up just because it didn't work one time um, pick it up and, and try again. I want to say a flip side to that oh, too, yeah. All right. which is the first time I ghost wrote a book, I had only written white papers. Mm. I mean, I, and grants and, you know, I'd not ghost. I mean, there's always a first time, yeah, right? Yeah, you have to oh, be yeah. first at some point. So a client reaches out to me that I wrote a white paper for and says, do you do books? And I said, yes. Of course. I do books. <laughs> <laughs> and and sometimes, I set <laughs> them into play. So sometimes you just have to believe in your ability to learn on the fly yeah. True. and do it. And we are all writers. I mean, we know how to write. And uh, it's a skill that not everybody in the world has. True. And I think my sister used to say, even if you do a mediocre job, it's going to be better than a whole bunch of other people who can't write at all. So I think you have to have the confidence to say, I can do this. Even if I've never done it before, I can do this and just go for it. That is a very good point. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us today, Tracy. Thank you so much. This has been a wonderful conversation. Yeah, I have really enjoyed it. Let's uh, have a question for our listeners. <laughs> question for our listeners. Have you had to reinvent yourself in the writing world at all? And if you have, what have you reinvented yourself into? Let us know at our social links in the description. Stay sharp, my friends. To learn more about The Writing Forge, check out our social links in the episode description. Subscribe to The Writing Forge wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to rate and review. For more informational writing content, be sure to become a Writing Heights member.